it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 12 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, and I'm one of the coaches of the Indiana Westland men's basketball team. In our past few episodes, you've heard about our team's three-game losing streak, how the players were on edge, and even gone inside a players-only meeting. Today, we're going to talk to Coach David Osborne about the team's response in the next game. Coach Osborne has only been on our staff for a year, but he's already made a huge imprint on the culture of our program and had a lot of success both in coaching and in recruiting. He's going to share about his journey to Indiana Westland and then take you inside that huge win and locker room celebration that reversed the trend of the season. In our second half, Coach T is going to talk about dealing with frustration as a coach and driving results with love. We're joined now by Coach David Osborne. Coach, take us back in your journey. In the process of the pursuit, we're in January now. But before we get to that, let's rewind and, and just tell about how first you got into coaching and then how you ended up at Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah, so I graduated college uh, with a finance degree and it had some basketball experience leading up to that and kind of came to a point where do I want to pursue a, something in, in the corporate world or do I want to pursue basketball? So jumped in and started working for General Electric in corporate finance. And after two years of that, kind of turning over every stone, I just felt like, you know, I needed to, to give basketball a chance and there was something beyond the, the world of finance. And so kind of through some things, uh, landed as a, as a high school coach. Uh, in the state of Illinois, and uh, after doing that for for a couple of years, uh, it would have been a little over a year ago now in the spring, uh, got to a point where I wrote a list down of of what I was looking for next in in my journey, and um, three things that that stood out and came to mind is I want to play to find a place that I could I could serve, I wanted to find a place where I could learn and grow, and I wanted to find a place that uh, I could call family. And uh, I remember talking to a coaching friend of mine. He said, you know. Uh, that'll be tough to do to, to find all three of those things in, in one program. And um, I had visited Indiana Westland with uh, the team I was coaching at the time and uh, ended up connecting with you via the phone and um, was just amazed by the culture here. And um, one thing led to another, and I was, I was fortunate enough to, to jump on staff with you guys. And, again, just watching how, how God moved in. It sometimes it was. It seemed like every six months he was opening up a new door or kind of uh, leading, you know, me and my family to to the next next thing in life. And grateful that I, I got the chance to come to IWU. It is amazing to hear your story and think about how God was out in front of you the whole time. I remember when you brought your team. I remember your team uh, wasn't playing the way you wanted to, but the passion that you led them with in practice, and even the way we connected over. The I am third philosophy while you were here uh, with your wife Amber, and then when you called, it it was it happened to be around the time when Coach Ethan Whaley, a, a guy who'd been on our staff for a long time, one of our best friends, very influential in our program, he took over the women's program. So we thought a spot might be opening, but from the start, we could just tell you were a guy who was hungry to come in and serve and learn and grow and find family. That coach said, you probably won't find those at any one program. 
What would you say to him now? And I would say I found it here first and foremost, right? And uh, I think that just speaks to the the special place that Indiana Wesleyan is, right? Just um, starting with the end in mind, you know, what is the goal here? It's not putting wins in the win column, you know, although we enjoy that, but it really is discipleship at a high level and um, pointing kids to Christ through their, their time here in the program and doing all that, again, with a God first, other second, and I am third mentality. Talk about this for a second. So as college coaches, we're paid to be able to sell our vision and our program. And in the recruiting process, we see it all the time. There's so many college coaches that can say something that sounds so good. But then when you live in the program on a day-in and day-out basis, not all of it can come to reality. So you had seen us from the outside as a high school coach, and then you were coming in and we'd been talking through the, uh, the hiring process. How are things different and how are they the same after a year in the program? Yeah, so I came in and I think part of me was sitting there like if this is half as good as it seems to be right now, this is going to be a pretty special place. And as I got more and more into it, um, it exceeded expectations. Again, I think I came in with this idea. I mean, I even told you guys, like, listen, you guys have won two national championships. Like, I have no idea what I'm going to bring to the table from a basketball standpoint. Um, but I was excited to learn about the X's and O's and that sort of thing. And, and not that I haven't taken a lot away from that, but it was beyond that that I just found myself like, man, there is so much good stuff going on here and there's so much to learn. And that was off the court discipleship, uh, just the community that the coaches had. Uh, and then seeing how that infiltrated um, all throughout campus. I mean, I think it starts with the humility of Dr. Wright and um, just the leadership of Mark DeMichael. And again, I, I meet people from all over the place on campus and, and God's telling their story in a special way and uh, just seeing how IW is a special place. And uh, I think the men's basketball program is, is one of the best places to get plugged in here on campus. It's funny how you were hired in at a time when we were uh, sh- sharing the vision of hunger habits and humility f- to the team. And you really fit that. You were hungry to grow, but you had a humility about the way you, you went about that. You were coming in saying, hey, I just want to grow and learn and serve in any way I can. And because of that, you were able to have a huge influence on the team. I think of Joel Okafer and your work with him and some other guys. But another guy Evan Maxwell, I want to go back to his recruiting process because in episode six, we told the story of how he ended up here. And it's really through your connection. And Evan shared how you were just one of those guys who just dives in. And even your first conversation with him, he just knew there was something different. And I remember when you text me, is this a guy we'd be interested in? And I thought you were a little bit crazy to, to think that we should go after a Kansas transfer. Uh, but again, it was evidence that God was out in front of the whole process that you had that connection and then Evan ended up here. Yeah, I think it's, again, as I just think back, there's some vivid memories you have of, of that whole process and sitting there in the car with my wife being like, man, would Evan be interested in, in this place? And then remember watching his highlight video. I remember sending that to you. <laughs> I remember that moment. Um, but yeah, I think as I talked to Brandon, who's Evan's brother and um, we talked a little bit, and then the first time I, I talked with Evan, I probably broke every recruiting rule in the rule book, uh, <laughs> just how to go about that. Uh, I'm a pretty transparent guy. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and as I had dove into this place and started to see how things go, you know, if you're passionate about something, you care about it, and you think it's real and authentic, all you want to do is share it, right? So I'm on the phone with Evan just like, this place is incredible, you know, just running down the line about – who, who you guys are, how I'm getting to know you, what the program stands for, uh, how it's a place to grow, you know, why I'm attracted to it. Um, I, I'm not sure, again, how much basketball we even talked about at first. 
we talked just at length about, you know, what does this look like and, and why am I passionate about it and what's he looking like? And it was a great place, I guess, to start the, the recruiting process for, for Evan. Now let's fast forward to January. This point in the podcast, we're in a three-game losing streak. You're in your first year as a coach, and coming out of this three-game losing streak, we're playing Bethel, at Bethel. It's an extremely hard place to win. They're a phenomenal program, and it's your scout. So there's a little bit more pressure on you. What was going through your mind? Because we've talked in past episodes about how we had put our guys as a coaching staff on edge, and we viewed this as a really important game. So obviously, as you as you mentioned there, the, the guys are on edge, and uh, not to make it too much about me, but it's your first conference scout again on the road against a team. I don't know how 25 games or something like that it's been since they've lost at home. Um, and again, on the three-game losing streak, you're just you're trying to find ways to again get the guys to I guess tap into some unrealized potential because uh, we see that just in in how they're playing and. Um, as talking with, with Coach Tonigo, we, we come up with heart as just a, a key for the game of, hey, we need to make sure we're playing with heart beyond beyond everything at, at that point. And, again, as you're, you're diving into the film, you're trying to learn the players, the personnel, the other team's tendencies. And uh, X's and O's are great, right? Those are, are necessary. But if your guys aren't playing with any sort of passion or heart or aren't playing up to their full potential, you can win. And, again, if you're not realizing full potential, you kind of leave feeling a little bit empty. Um, so, again, just all the, the, the time and the preparation of just wanting to make sure that the guys took the next step uh, in that moment and just collectively have a, as a staff how we're, we're trying to push them to take that next step. There's something special as a coach when you see something like this, a vision to play with heart, and it's lived out on the court. And I remember that game. From the tip, our bench was locked in, uh, the players on the court. We saw so much passion, and we saw celebrations on the bench we saw engagement from the first guy to the last guy on the team. They were just celebrating each other's success. What do you remember feeling and seeing as the game went along? Honestly, it was probably one of the most enjoyable games we had this year, uh, this past year. And again, there's an element of where when you go through some hard times, and we'll talk, uh, I know, more about joy at the in later episodes of the podcast, but when you go through some of those hard times, um, it's the joy that you get on the other end of that that really brings things to life. And um, watching Evan Maxwell after I think Joel gets an and one like smacking the floor like doing the wave and you see just all these bench celebrations and in that moment for each one of those guys they had been through kind of the bottom point together as a team and that tends to bring guys together and you saw all of them setting aside any of their desires that they had and it was really a group of guys living I am third in that moment um, I just watched some clips the other day or a clip the other day and of that game and was texting Joel or talking to Joel. And it's just great to relive some of those moments, not because of the win, but again, what you saw in terms of the guys coming together uh, during the course of that game. When there's a, a game like that, when everything goes according to plan, guys are locked in together, there's nothing like the locker room celebration after the game. And you hadn't been a part of very many like this in our program. What do you remember about going in the locker room after playing with that much passion and togetherness? I think one of the things you mentioned, it, like I hadn't been a part of something like that yet. And as you come in and you're new and you're learning, like I'd heard about these epic <laughs> locker room celebrations. And I'm like, man, I want a little taste of what this might be like. Uh, and I remember we get into the hallway that kind of leads uh, into the locker room and we've got to wait to get it unlocked and everyone's sitting out there. Uh, and again, there's just this 
this rumble that's starting to build and it, there's a little bit of, of that. And then we walk in the locker room and it's just pandemonium in there. Guys are going nuts. Um, guys are just really pumped up and fired up um, about what's going on and, again, how the, how the game played out there. Um, so just watching them in that moment. Again, as a coach, you like to sit back and just see the fruits of their labor coming through. And uh, I think even through that game, allowing them to see, hey, this is what, as a coaching staff, we're trying to push you towards, right? It's not – it's not just a win, but it's the manner in which we win and, and some of the things that, that lead into that. And Ben talked about this a little bit in episode eight. We're in a losing streak, and, and as a senior, he sees how the coaches are trying to put him on edge and drive him harder, and he gets it now. It's not because we're losing. It's not because we care so much about the outcome. It's the way we're approaching things. And that maybe is a misperception. So we say if you want to be first, first find a way to be third. So you've been in the program for a year. What's the point? Is the point to be first or is it to be third? What do we really value? Yeah, so I think even through all of that, you're you're not chasing a win in the win column. You're not chasing just this emotion that you get from it, right? Uh, and I think all of us on the coaching staff and um, just people close to the program understand that if we're not chasing the gospel and we're not sa- chasing true heart and life transformation, um, not just for us, but for our players and those that come in contact with the program, we're missing a key part of it. Um, and so I think for us, it's, you know, we realize who Jesus Christ is and, and what he did for us. And it's because of what he did that we get to live a life that's totally different and transformational. And uh, we get a coach for his honor and glory. We get to play for his honor and glory. Uh, we get a disciple. We get to share what he's doing in our hearts and lives. We get to share what he's doing in our program um, because of who he is. And I think sometimes it can be something where it feels restricting because uh, I guess in some ways that's how the world views it. But uh, in so many ways, it's one of the most freeing things. It's the most freeing thing uh, to to walk with the Lord and, and just see how he moves in each of our hearts and lives. And we're going to talk more about this freedom when we come back for the second half with Coach Tonegal, talking about what it looks like in the midst of a, a losing streak, not to coach out of frustration, but to drive results with love. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're back for the second half with Coach Tonegal. Coach, Coach Osborne just talked about the Bethel game, breaking the three-game losing streak. As a coach, those are frustrating seasons. How do you deal with that as a coach? Well, I've found personally most of my frustration um, happens when I view my players as getting in the way of my own success. And, and when I do this, when I coach from this perspective, it's players are commodities. And they're either vehicles to help me become more successful or they're – obstacles that stand in my way and 
it's easy to identify that with as a father too, right? When I'm frustrated with my kids, it's because they're in the way of something, either peace and quiet for me or I'm trying to get work done. And it's a horrible way to parent. It's a horrible way to coach. And I've got to constantly redirect my focus and my priorities to get out of that. And I think the way to really overcome it is to, to grow in humility. Humility is a powerful concept in our program that we've talked about in past episodes, and it really points back to the I am third life. But as a coach, there's this tension that's felt. Naturally, one of your gifts is you you can drive people to further levels, whether it's in coaching basketball, spiritually. You love to push to that next stage of growth, but there's this fine line there where that can be done out of frustration rather than out of love. How do you balance that tension? Well, I'll be honest and say that I definitely don't have this figured out. I'm, I'm really trying to grow into this. It's, it's probably the, the area God's most um, done a work in my life over the last five to ten years. And I wake up every day and I think I ask God the same question is that, you know, in a culture that demands performance, how do I as a coach get those results without producing a performance-based identity into my players? And there's no simple solution to that other than that I every day I surrender to the Lord my desires. I put him first and I put other people second. And hopefully that prioritizes the things that I'm saying, the way I'm responding to my players, because I don't want to produce in them a performance-based identity. But at the same time, I want to get them to be their absolute best, and I want our team to be its absolute best. So part of what I hear you saying is that if you want to lead players, assistant coaches to coach or play out of an identity based on Christ, you first have to find that identity in Christ. How would you encourage a, a leader who maybe is wrestling with that tension? And that's a good question. And we're ultimately, we become the culture that's been transmitted to us. So as, as a leader, if we're pushing results for the wrong motives, then ultimately the people we lead, they feel used. So we have to put people first. We have to understand that they have a heart. We have to lead with empathy and as we understand their hurts, their dreams, their visions, we mold that into the grander vision. I think people feel like they're a part of something special. Now back to the Bethel game. The last several episodes, we've been talking about the, the tension in practice. How as coaches, we've had to put an edge within our guys. And we go into this game with such a pent-up emotion. And then we win the game and go in the locker room. And Coach Osborne talked about the locker room celebration. What's it like as a coach to be in that moment when you're just celebrating as a team? I think those post-game celebrations are some of the most uh, exciting times that being on a team offers. There's something about jumping around, bumping, screaming, dancing, yelling, <laughs> water flying. And I, you know what? I hope our guys never grow out of that. I hope that when their child comes home with a, a good grade or something exciting that happens at school, that we're never too cool to celebrate and we're never too cool to get excited because most of us, we miss being on a team if we're really honest. And, and that time, that four-year period, it comes and goes. But then you're given a new team. Maybe you're a father. Maybe you're a husband. And I think to carry those celebrations into your home tells your kids, we're going to be people that live with passion and we're going to celebrate the things that God does in our lives. I think of your sons, Jason, Will, and mine, Josh, and Caleb, and playing Little League now and moments where something happens that is so exciting to them and just pure joy and emotion comes out. My, my son recently caught a line drive and went to chest bump the second baseman and second baseman looked at him like he was insane. But I, I love seeing those moments in my kids, but even in our players, those moments, raw emotion comes out. Why is that so powerful? I'm, I'm reminded we're, we're called to have childlike faith. And I wonder if that's an aspect of that. Like sometimes we forget as we grow up that 
We're supposed to be excited and passionate about the things God is. Well, God's excited and passionate when he makes a move in our lives and when he gives us the ability to do fun things, to explore, to adventure, to be in a locker room with a group of guys who just put in a hard work or hard week's worth of work. Might as well celebrate it. I think back to a proverb you shared in a previous episode about uh, – re- remind me that – The proverb about it's – it's the glory of God to hide things, but it's the, the glory of man or glory of kings to search that out. Yeah, and it's it's so powerful. And, and I think in the upcoming episodes, we're going to see that. The next episode is about prayer and a prayer meeting we had. And then also a player just being in the zone. And as we are pursuing third, there's these moments where things happen that we can't explain that are beyond us. And to continue to explore that as, as we start to play better and the, the season starts to trend upward and we're continuing to pursue God, others, before we pursue ourselves in this season, what's going to happen next is really exciting. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about spiritual leadership and prayer. Ben Carlson is going to take you inside a prayer meeting when God showed up in an amazing way. Prayer was not even a part of my spiritual life. Even last year, it just was not something that I valued very highly. It was something that I was almost intimidated by. And that was, I think, the first time in my life I truly felt like God spoke to me so clearly and God spoke through me. And then in the second half, Coach Tonegal is going to give his thoughts on the role prayers played in the growth of the I Am Third culture over the past decade. We hope this conversation will spark coaches and leaders in every context to pursue new levels of prayer in their walk with Christ. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask Hoops on a future episode, Hashtag ask Hoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.